This is the Living in Fierce Alignment podcast, your go-to place for mindset transformation, self-empowerment, and personal development. I'm your host, Kayla. I'm a mindset coach for ambitious human beings who are wildly passionate about up-leveling themselves so that they can live a limitless life with ease. I'm here to show you how to create the life of your dreams and powerfully step into your full potential, and of course, live fiercely. So let's get started. Welcome to the Living in Fierce Alignment podcast. My name is Kayla, and today I am so excited because I'm interviewing one of my dear friends and also fellow coach. Her name is Leanne Amanda, and she is a professional ontological coach who studies the nature of being. So we've known each other for about, I guess, over six years. We were kind of debating about this before we jumped on the call, but it's been about six or seven years, and we met through landmark which i have mentioned probably a hundred times on my podcast but that is an amazing company that does personal and professional development work so that's where we bonded and obviously now we're both coaches so i'm really excited to have her on the podcast today so with that being said leanne can you please introduce yourself tell us where you're from what you're up to and where you are right now hi Thank you for that introduction. So you said professional ontological coach. So ontology is the study of being. So basically like when you walk into a room, what shows up with you? Like what is the essence of you that comes through the door? And also what is in the way? Like energetically we have different essences but also there are lots of things that happen to us or play into our lives that sort of cover up our essence or have us show up differently than who we authentically are and the example i was giving somebody the other day was imagine two c-level executives and one of them shows up as stressed and in toxic productivity and overworked and yet has pride about that and is smug and has a hard time trusting and delegating like all of the things that he walks into a room with show up with that versus the other guy who's got the exact same job and he shows up in confidence and peace and love and service no matter how many people have the same kind of job we all show up differently based on what's happened to us, our beliefs, our values, and circumstances. So I love getting people to the deeper awareness of how they show up in the world and how that's limiting them and who they could really show up as based on who they truly are. So I'm from White Rock, which is like an hour south of Vancouver, Canada, little beach town. And, but I met you when I spent, uh, you know, was in that seven year stint living in Victoria on Vancouver Island, which I love. And right now I am in Dallas, Texas. And how I got here is a story that will probably come out throughout the podcast. Why did I get into coaching? Started with me wanting to study psychology. Like I wanted to study psychology since I was in high school and did not understand myself or others (laughs) and really wanted to understand people, but really the question that was underneath everything, like the, the question of my existence always seemed to be, why can't we all just get along? Why can't we all just be loving? Like, why can't we just connect? And so my whole 
uh, drive for existence was fueled by that question. And that's why I studied psychology. And I was prepping for my master's in counseling psychology and gearing up to go that route. And I went on a first date with a guy who you know. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and on our first date, he asked me some personal questions that really like ended up him, he didn't even realize it, but he was coaching me on this date. And what were like 99% of people would be like, who's this freak coaching me on a date? This is super uncool and intrusive. The little psychology geek that I am, I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> and then I immediately wanted to know how he became the way he was, how he was so present and how he could just pin me the way that he did, the way that he understood who I was. And when he started talking about, you know, like his self-development train and, and how he came to understand people the way that he does, I got hooked. I said to myself, this guy's got something that I want. And so eventually after my degree in psychology, I went to coaching school instead of uh, doing counseling. And really it was because I had been gotten and seen and heard by this guy more than I ever had by anyone in my life. And I wanted not only to experience more of that, but be able to give it to people in a way that revealed things about themselves that gave them access and freedom, which was what he started to do with me. And there are obviously different distinctions between counseling and coaching. Um, I would say that uh, most counseling dwells in the past. We talk a lot about the past in counseling. Um, and in coaching, it's much more present tense and future based. That's like one easy way to be able to distinguish. Although we do draw from the past in coaching, it is much more present and future based. And consulting is like, hey, I'm an expert. I know these things. Let me teach you these things. And I think that a lot of coaches, they go, hey, I have the answer when really that's consulting and coaching is, hey, the answers are in you. Let's ask great questions and dig out those answers. And I actually have to catch myself all the time because you know, at the beginning of the podcast, you were like, yeah, in my example of ontology, you were like this C-level exec who's got trust issues and it's probably from this and this and this. I am guilty of, you know, hearing that somebody has some sort of block and then I'll think to myself, oh yeah, what probably happened was this and this and this. But even that, like I can't make assumptions. I have to discover and ask questions to fully go into that unique person's answer. Awareness definitely is, as you said before, uh, where it starts. I think the other thing about coaching though, is not only do you provide people with awareness, but two other things. Coaching is when someone discovers for themselves rather than like being told. And how they discover for themselves is by going and doing, acting upon the awareness. We can get the awareness and it's lovely to hear why we have the behaviors we do. But until we go act on something that's going to like create a breakthrough with that or like take on the practice or take on the, the action that scares us or makes us uncomfortable, that's where it all happens. And I, I love how you talked about acting on the awareness because... One of the big things that I got from Landmark was getting the impact. And so when we, like you said, when we discover things ourselves, like there's nothing empowering about saying to someone, like say you're, you're 
having a conversation or you're quote coaching someone and then they talk about certain behaviors and things and then you find out oh you know they had alcoholism present or something in their life like that's why you are the way that you are and there's nothing bad or wrong that's just how your brain is wired there's nothing empowering about telling someone that but like you said when you actually discover that yourself it's it's such a different experience like it becomes such a relief and it becomes so clear and then that's where you get the space to like you said like take a new action or choose a new direction or shift your language or whatever it is that person is committed to creating in that area of their life yeah exactly yeah and the other thing that we talked about that i didn't bring up was how i think coaching is not about additional information it's not about adding additional information it's about quote dealing with the information that you already have and like already what so and like looking inward because it's it is crazy since i since i've started meditating more in the last like two years and journaling and it's been amazing to see how the answers that i've needed or wanted have always really come from within me and that even you know generates confidence and self-love and discovering self-worth rather than externally trying to find additional information to fix whatever is is going on Mm. yeah well i mean when we want to keep giving information as coaches i mean sometimes we do have a certain level of expertise that you know like for example one of my areas of expertise that i'm ongoingly mastering is relationships like relationships are you know it's kind of like that question i've been answering since forever like why can't we all just love one another like why can't we connect like some people come to me for my expertise or they want it sprinkled throughout but it's only with their permission that I give them that mm-hmm. only with their permission with that. I lost what I was going to say. The rest of what I was going to say is completely gone. It was super smart though. It'll, it'll come up again. That's okay. Yeah. But you know what? About that permission <laughs> thing though, about the permission thing. I love that. And I've obviously used that as well. Like, can I offer you this or can I like suggest this or <clears throat> can I share something that I'm seeing or hearing that allows that person being coached to be in a position of power to accept to receive something and not just have it thrown at them, which I think continues to hold an empowering space for that person to just continue being in an inquiry and, and being empowered and curious and just wanting to create and put the pieces together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's also their call, right? Oh, totally. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I think that's part of coaching Funnily enough, I think with coaching is that it's about receiving in the sense, even if we're asking the right questions and it's shifting people and they're noticing, you know, the roots of what's happening in their life, they still have to be in a space of, of wanting to receive the coaching because otherwise nothing, nothing will shift. Nothing will happen. I do remember to remember what I was going to say, because what you just said also triggered it, which is like the different survival mechanisms that give each unique client coach relationship. Like somebody may not be a hundred percent open, but they're kind of open. And that all plays into like one of the survival mechanisms that they have, or, you know, before when we were talking about like needing more information or giving more information as a coach, you know, that like a lot of people become coaches because they want to be the person who gives information or they want to be the rescuer or they want to be the fixer. So being responsible for, the humanity that shows up on each coaching call for coach and client, like be responsible for why, like the shadow reason for why you became a coach and, and like that wanting to give of information coming from a totally 
just like a place of survival. Like maybe you, you know, learned when you were younger that you were only valuable by X, Y, and Z. And this is how you are like attaining your value. So for me, like even watching myself on a coaching call, what's having me say this thing and that thing? Who is it for? Is this like my survival mechanism kicking in or is this actually like me being coach? Yeah, that's so powerful. And again, it all comes down to awareness. So with awareness, how would you say, what have been some major things for you that have helped you develop your awareness? I think this would be something really powerful to share for the listeners, because then if they want to develop their awareness, then they can have an idea of the things that we've done. So do you mean like why I developed awareness or like, what do you mean? I mean, yeah. How did you develop your awareness? I think is the question. Like what things did you do? Well, obviously that first date really kicked it off. (laughs) 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 And then I did a bunch of landmark courses. I started like getting coached and then I started getting trained in coaching. I did, you know, I entered the leader body with landmark. Landmark was a huge part of like the beginning of my coach training. And then after my psych degree, because I was doing all of that during my psych degree, I worked at a holistic cancer clinic, like a naturopathic clinic that focused on uh, oncology. And I worked there to put myself through coaching school because I I wanted to go through the best and most expensive coaching school there was. And so I needed to work at this clinic. It being a cancer clinic, there were people constantly faced with their mortality. I just saw over and over again and people were not happy. People weren't happy with their lives, but they also weren't really doing anything about it. And that shook me. And it was this quite brilliant contrast between like having people face with their mortality, not doing anything about it, and then being in school for coaching, uh, literally learning like how people can be the happiest with their life possible. That also really pushed me forward. But to be honest, every single development that I've made, every awareness that I've sought out has come from pain. And to me, there's a certain level of spiritual development required that enables you to seek development from your pain because pain is actually an invitation into a higher vibration. Pain is an invitation into a new level of existence. And each time you experience a pain and you hear that knock at the door, you can answer it and you can ask, what do I learn? How do I develop? What awareness is there to gain? What do I do now? And so with every step I've taken, that first date and that school and that job, like there's always been some pain that's driven me and I've answered the door. That's amazing. And I think, well, we'll, we'll share your story a little bit more on what you've experienced in terms of pain and like how you've grown from that. And I think that's beautiful how you said that, like welcoming in and going through the pain because there's something to learn there. And like you said, it's an invitation to up-level yourself and shed layers away. And I think that a lot of society, we're just trained to repress and suppress and not deal with it. And and that just, it comes out in other ways, you know, like it can come out in dis-ease in the body or a sickness or, you know, negative emotions and all of that. But when you actually go through it, then that's, that obviously will develop your awareness because you get to learn from it, which that's, yeah, that's amazing. I think for myself, the biggest thing that's made an impact for me is meditating. 
and just doing that on a daily basis because that has developed my awareness internally in the sense of in moments where I could get triggered, like say somebody said something quote rude or, you know, somebody cut me off on the highway. And those are like moments that become very reactive. I catch myself in those moments like, okay, why am I actually reacting this way? Like, is it necessary? And then it, it creates this buffer to respond rather than react and to be more intentional. And I think like you said, when you were working at the clinic, how you just noticed that these people were faced with their mortality and they weren't doing anything about it. And it was probably just this lack of awareness where they weren't willing to face the pain or they haven't done things like meditation where they can see their train of thought and how they're self-sabotaging or they don't believe that they can do something different. Well, I think that that's because the other answer to pain is to do the status quo. Like whether it's to hide or push down or disease develops or whatever, like all of that is just going with the status quo and going with what humanity knows. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's important, I believe, to answer the door because every one more person that decides to respond to pain in that different way eventually will rewrite the natural way that humans respond to things. But currently how we do it is our current status quo, which gives us the amalgamation of all of our choices that don't lead to that freedom. Can you share your story on pain and just what you've, what's, what, how you've grown through that? Cause that was something like really intense that you went through a couple of years ago. And I, like, I still remember that day because you called me, but mm -hmm. I think sharing that story would be really powerful because like you said, when we, when we answer the door to pain and we get to learn a new way of being and showing up differently, then we can show others how to do the same and that can mm -hmm. shift the status quo. So that's why I'm inviting you to share mm -hmm. your story on that. Well, first of all, the way that I responded to the pain you're talking about is because I had already been doing work on myself. Like that didn't happen because I just like decided one day that I was going to respond to pain this way. It was because mm -hmm. I was already committed to practicing and doing the work for years beforehand. So my fiance and I at the time had created this ideal life and we had just signed a new client and we were going to lead a, an intensive in Thailand with this client. The morning after we arrived, my fiance uh, took a dip in the pool and he was, he used to be a diver and he had an accident in the pool somehow. I still won't understand to this day. And he drowned and he passed away. So there I am in a foreign country. The client is three hours from arriving and my fiance, I find him dead in the pool. And so later that day, after all of the worst stuff ensues, I called my spiritual mentor and, you know, I'm crying and he's, he's listening. And I'm telling him everything that's happening. And then he says, okay, well, I have something to say to you and you're not going to like it. And I'm like, oh, okay, what is it? Like, just, you know, like I've literally gone through my worst nightmare. I have absolutely no energy for anything good or bad at this point. Oh, poor soul. He was like there for me in literally the worst time on the worst day. But he goes, Leanne, this is a call forward. This is an invitation into a new level of womanhood. 
do you accept? And it didn't, at first, I mean, I cussed a bit because I was pissed. <laughs> yeah. And then after a breath, I went, yeah, I am. And I guess the other thing that came up for me was like, well, I gotta be. Where else is, like, I, I can't go lower than this. Like, I, there's absolutely nowhere to go but up from this moment. And nothing like this could possibly happen to me unless I had to create something from it. Like, that's just what, it, that's just what was there. That's what there was to do, was to accept this invitation. And then from there, him asking me that question allowed me to just see everything through that lens. Obviously, I allowed myself so much room for being messy and, and broken and devastated. And even all of that was somehow through the lens of like, this will all be for that new level of womanhood. And then it also fueled me to do a bunch of other things that I wouldn't have necessarily thought I was capable of doing, like traveling the world by myself and continuing on with my coaching business after a few months from a laptop all around and like eventually falling in love again. And that's how I'm in Dallas, continuing to, you know, coach when my fiance and I, we were coaching together. And like, that was the thing we did together that we loved. And not only did I continue coaching, but I fell in love with it in a whole new way. And now the main thing that I focus on is relationships, not only because that's what I've always wanted and loved, but also to honor him and what we had. Oh, I have goosebumps right now. I'm just so honored that I've, I've known you through all of this, right? Like when we first met, I think we were in the middle of university and here we are, you know, in professional careers and just have gone through things and grown from it. And I, I so acknowledge you for that moment where, you know, you were invited to step up into that next level of womanhood and, and you did it and it wasn't easy. And I watched you travel around and everything. And it was just, it was such a journey and so inspiring. And I, I love your commitment that you have to people, especially with relationships. And I think that that, and I, that is one of my biggest commitments too. And that's why we've always stayed friends is because we like, we've only seen each other probably a couple times in the last five years. Cause I was living in China and then I was living in Toronto and I'm in Vancouver. I'm in Vancouver now and you're across the continent. So that's, <laughs> that's your fault. But I'm just saying that obviously relationships, relationships are the essence of life. And mm -hmm. that's where, that's where the love lies. Like our, our life is in the relationships that we have. And it's, you know, people might think, oh, my brother, my sister, my family. Yes. But also when you get on the bus to go to work, like there's a relationship with the bus driver, whether it's direct or indirect or your, your coworkers or the barista at Starbucks or the cashier at the grocery store. Like these are all relationships and being interconnected is literally what creates humanity on earth. And mm -hmm. it, it all comes back to what you said at the very beginning, like, why can't we just be connected? Like, why can't we just, you know, be loving towards one another? When you were going through that list of like the bus driver and all those people, and I'm like, and my supplement guy at Whole Foods, like, I'm just thinking of <laughs> people in my life. And I'm like, yeah, you all make my life. Yes. Yeah. Whole Foods, they make the best smoothies, just saying. Really? Well, I don't know. The one in Lonsdale in North Van is amazing. It's like a massive store and they have a smoothie bar. Do, does yours not have a smoothie bar? Dude, I'm in Texas. The only good Whole Foods there's going to be in Texas is in Austin. 
far, Dallas. But yeah, also you're in Vancouver. Like that's smoothie land. It oh, actually God, is smoothie land. It. I've definitely noticed that since I moved here from Toronto. It's all yeah. part of feeding the soul. <laughs> feeding the soul on the West Coast. <laughs> and now on to our smoothie section of this podcast. I know, right? <laughs> mm. So I would love for you to share about some of the coaching programs that you're doing with relationships because, oh, look at you. Are you excited? <laughs> you just lit up when I asked you that question. We're on video, by the way. She's like, how, how would I know that what she looks like unless I was crazy intuitive? But yes. So yeah, I am so excited about what I'm doing. So I have uh, a course for women called Relationship Mastery, and it is a group coaching program. And it is six months long and we do the deep stuff in this program. And while I also work with people one-on-one -on, -one on their relationships, which is a whole other different kind of fulfilling, I really love the group, uh, like the, the group for the next, for the past couple of years, rather, it's been newer to me. Like I've always been like, let's go one-on-one. -on -one. But to be honest, I'm super excited about my newest development, which is the men's masterclass. Like I have been wanting to coach groups of men for years. Like every time I have a male client, they're like, why do you predominantly market to women? And I'm like, I don't even like, that's just what, you know, like the way that I write stuff, I guess like lots of women like it and they think that it's for women. And, and so I get a lot of female clients, but I truly love working with men. And yeah, so I just created a men's masterclass and I am in love with it. At first I was terrified because I thought, who am I as a woman to coach men? Like, you know, I, I know of a bunch of different men's groups in various different cities and they're by men for men and they sound amazing. And I've seen men participate in those groups and just do so well. And I thought, you know what, like... I'm so committed to men's success and happiness and fulfillment. It doesn't matter what gender I am. Like, I'm just going to show up and be the one. And so I created my first men's masterclass and now I'm just super stoked and loving it. That's amazing. That's so good. Yeah. Could you just, did you just do this in the last month and a bit? It's actually fairly recent, right? Yeah. That's literally like the third day of 2020. I started it. That's so amazing. That's yeah. Cool. Thank so you. what are what are the common themes like uh how can I word this what's the process that you take people through in your courses before i ever figure out who people are i figure out what they want understanding like what are the objectives where do you want to get all of the stuff that you'd sort of like start in like an envision session about where people want to go pretty standard and then and then i ask people all the questions i ask people about their life and where they come from and everything. Like I, it, it's kind of like that quote, I think it's by Albert Einstein. Like if I had an hour to solve a problem, I would spend 55 minutes getting clear on the question and then the next five minutes solving it. Wow. Um, I haven't heard that quote, but that's solid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like the, my job is to just ask people as many questions as I possibly can, because then the answer is very clear. And so that's my process is I'm just constantly asking questions that not only people answer to help me understand, but also in them answering, they get so much. And then based on their individual, you know, where they come from and who they are, then we create specific customized practices for that person. Like to me in my group calls, 
not, I don't give out like everybody practice this one thing. I coach everybody individually and give everybody individual practices and then just like witnessed by the group so that everyone can take on whatever practices they want, see the different coaching given to different people, find themselves in it, but also get those practices customized specifically to them because everybody is different. And that really takes something too, because I know just from my experience of watching other fellow coaches and entrepreneurs online, it's, it's usually a cookie cutter course of everyone doing the same thing and that will still get results. But I think like you said, when it's specifically tailored to someone and what they want, that's when they can and they're empowered to create the biggest impact in their life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, like the, the courses where you sign up and then they give you things week by week or day by day. I got nothing against that. Those are great for the deepest work that is palpable to other people is when you do it one-on-one -on -one diving into exactly what you need. Like to me, transformation and, and personal development, that stuff is measurable by like what people notice when you, as I said before, walk into a room, you know, like when people work with me, they always tell me after like, you know, a couple of weeks, man, people are pulling me aside and saying that I'm showing up so differently and so much more confident or so much more peaceful or more loving. Like people in their lives notice a huge palpable, like energetic shift that's deep. And to me, like that can only be done when you really are like doing the work specific to that person. Yeah, it's true. And it, it is, the thing is, it's called personal development. <laughs> right it's called personal yeah. development personal growth you know it's mm. it is it is personal but you know what and I'm saying this I'm also not trying to bash like group programs of that because that is something that I do offer it's just I think that like you said one-on-one -on -one coaching is great because you can impact individual people but also when you create group, group programs like this you create a space to impact multiple people at the same time Right. And that's one thing I really love about coaching. And one thing that I don't believe is that we're quote competing against one another for clients or whatever. The thing is we're all actually part of a collective who have done the work to elevate our awareness so that we can contribute back to other people who, mm -hmm. who need a hand, who want to shed layers and, and push themselves past their boundaries. Yeah. I remember one of my friends who's also a coach, she called me one day and this was when I first launched my very first group relationship program. And she was like, hey, I'm kind of nervous. I just want to ask you, like, I'm starting to shift my demographic into relationships. I know that that's your expertise. Like, are you upset with me? Do I need to clean anything up with you? And while I really appreciated her, you know, communicating and like wanting to be in touch with me about it, I was literally my response was, we need you get in here, like help me, like relationships everywhere we we need help like yeah. um come handle the load with me so there is no shortage of clients it's like yeah we need to be teammates exactly no i love that so what are your future plans like what are your your visions or your intentions or goals dare i say with develop continuing to develop your your coaching and whatnot well this year i'm going to start to lead more in person intensives because I do a lot of online work because you know for the past couple of years I've been nomadic and I haven't really been able to drop into a set routine like for the last couple of years it's been like what what I love right now is flying by the seat of my pants as far as like 
where I'm situated. But now that I'm grounded, I can't wait to actually like have a space and have a city where I can get to know it and know like where I want to be doing my work, where I want to be leading it in person. Retreats and workshops and intensives that are all in person are in store this year, which is super exciting. I'm doing a bunch of partnerships with, uh, with some other coaches that I really admire. Um, whereas, you know, so far I've done a lot of stuff by myself. So partnerships I'm really looking forward to. And honestly, I have a completely different vision for 2020. You know, like my partner's like, oh, and I've got this and I'm gonna accomplish exactly this so that in five years time this. And I was like, I am always trying to have everything prepared and perfect and planned out that I barely scratch the surface of my potential. And I think for me, what's important this year is that I create the structure in which to like be taking lots of action, like have the structure there, have the schedule there, but all that action, there's not like one set direction or, or, um, intention. Like to me, it's discovering and going into the unknown and taking as many actions as possible, making as many bold requests as possible, um, following as many curiosities as possible. And then looking back on 2020 going, where did I get, where did I end up based on all these crazy questions I asked and all these actions that I took by jumping into the unknown versus setting up like a very specific place I want to get to. And it's totally counterintuitive to what my survival mechanism likes my survival mechanism, like certainty and plans and that's it. But it's so limiting. Like for me that, you know, like some people that is totally their jam and it's great. And I'm sure that'll come in handy for me later. But right now I need to be super comfortable with the unknown. I love that. And it's funny too, because when you were talking about you know, plans and structures and this, that is a hundred percent how I operate as well. And it's crazy. I love that you said that it's limiting because ironically it is because then it's kind of like these blinders are up and it's like, okay, this is what I'm looking for. This is what needs to happen. Oh my God, it's not happening. This isn't working. And and then it just turns into self-sabotage and like chasing my tail. Well, yeah, it depends. Structure can be amazing. Mm -hmm. And I've seen you use structure to create amazing results. And that's something that I admire about you. I'm like, wow, I can't wait for that one day that I get to be like, Kayla, where I can use structures in such a healthy way. Um, (laughs) For me, uh, it's also like, I need to make the structure to be in the unknown. Nice, I love that, yeah. Like, you know, that, that part of my plan that's like, okay, for these hours of the day, I'm gonna be making bold requests follow or based on my curiosities like that is in in the calendar but it's also completely unknown using the structure for the service of the unknown yeah that's amazing that's very inspiring actually one thing that we started talking about that I would love for you to elaborate on because I don't think a lot of people have heard of this is the term survival mechanisms oh right yeah let's throw that around I know, but let's talk about it because I've even like, I haven't heard that lingo in a while since I've been doing landmark, but uh, I think that it's something that's really powerful and that this little snippet could probably help people help the listeners develop their awareness. Yeah. That's actually not a landmark term. I know landmark used to use uh, strong suits and now they've yeah. winning formulas, but the like survival mechanisms, I kind of think of it through, you know, 
evolutionary psychology, but also when I did my training with accomplishment coaching. So I say survival mechanisms kind of to encompass all the different flavors of unworkable patterns and behaviors we have. Unworkable is even like maybe a bit too strong of a word because our survival mechanisms also produce a lot of great results. So basically they're just the ingrained patterns that we are limited to. That's, and why I say we're limited to is because we've used them, found out they work for us, and then we keep using them and we don't know how to see outside of using them. That's basically what a survival mechanism is. You know, for me, like for the longest time and okay, fine. I haven't completely outgrown it yet, but one of my survival mechanisms is triggered by feeling small or unimportant. And if you make me, you make me in quotation marks, feel small and unimportant, I become the ice queen. I like turn the other way or just like I'm silent. Like that is just something that I learned when I was a kid to like handle some really difficult crap. Like that is an effective way my brain decided I'm going to handle this feeling, which also was an interpretation in the first place. So now not only am I like keeping an eye out for where I feel small and unimportant because that like I decided that that mattered to me when I was like five, but now I've got this way that I handle it, which is called, oh, well, you, you're going to make me feel small. I'll make you feel smaller. <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't even require Leanne for that to happen at all. And now, like I distinguish that like around maybe four years ago that I do that. And the goal is not to like completely rid your life of these survival mechanisms, is to integrate with them and to get when they come so that when they do automatically, you can like overrun them right away and be like, hey, thanks for showing up. I got what you're trying to do here. I can take over from here, right? And you can take over them. And also to me, like with your survival mechanisms, you know, being the thing that show up when something feels your flavor of threatening, you gotta make light of it and make it funny. When I first told my partner about the ice queen, I shared with him, I'm like, hey, just so you know, there are gonna be certain situations where I'm gonna decide that you are making me feel small and unimportant. And I'm going to ice queen you. That's gonna happen. <laughs> it just, it sounds like um, ice cream. <laughs> so, I'm not, so I'm thinking like, I'm going to ice cream you, but it's ice queen. Oh God. Yeah. So I, oh, sound, ice creaming sounds way more pleasant than ice queening, but yeah. And you know, like he does this thing where like, if I try to be really good about it, like I'd actually, I think I can with integrity say that for the most part, my ice queen is she's quite well kept like she's pretty tamed at this point and when she does happen to sneak past my radar my partner will be like oh like hey ice queen what can i do to melt you and he'll like make a joke you know it's great like bringing levity to those to those things that just like grab hold of us those behaviors that grab hold of us without us even needing to be there. I love this story. And you know what? It made me think of, I was just thinking to myself, like, what are, what are my survival mechanisms? And I think the big one that comes up for me is when things get tough and I go, I'll show you. And it's just like this next level of pushing beyond. And actually I have a really funny story to share as well. And it has to do with my boyfriend. So a couple of years ago, when we were living in Toronto, one of my personal training clients at the time, she had this shelf 
that she wanted to get rid of. And it was like a five by five, like thick wood Ikea shelf. And my boyfriend, and I didn't have a car at the time. So I was like, whatever, we're just going to go down the street. So it was probably a 20 minute walk downhill because Toronto is like on a slant. So it's the bottom of the same road that we live on. So we go down there and we go pick up the shelf and I'm like, we're going to fit this into an Uber. My client was like, are you, are you sure about this? I'm like, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. So she left. So then the Uber comes and it doesn't fit in the Uber. So then what happens is I'm like, fuck it. We're going to carry it home, which is like an hour up the road. And the thing is we're carrying it and I like, we're sweating and like, my boyfriend's like, why are we doing this? This is so dumb. Like we're wasting our Sunday afternoon carrying a shelf up Jarvis Street. Like, why is this happening? And then I'm just getting more and more determined. Like we, the ha- this has to work. Like we have to get home. And it was just so ridiculous because I was, my arms were too short. I couldn't carry it properly. And then eventually like I split my shin open and I was bleeding. And then I told him, I was like, I'm going to the gas station to get a trolley like I don't care and there's like homeless people on the street watching us like laughing at us right so I go into the gas station I had no money I had nothing on me and I convinced the guy to lend me a trolley so that we could roll this thing back home eventually we got it home and it was like blood sweat and tears literally but it was just in that moment it was like I I saw this this mountain that I had to climb like it had to get done no Mm. matter what and like, it was a funny story. I mean, we got a free shelf and put in like two hours of work for it. But you know, we got it home. But I just, it just makes me laugh. Because in that moment, you're right, it could have been more logical. Like, yes, Kayla, let's just leave the shelf here. You don't need to carry this halfway up Toronto so that you can prove a point to your ego. <laughs> God forbid, order like a bigger taxi. <laughs> but you know, what's funny is I tried that too. We, there's like a van couldn't come it only fit like six by 11 it couldn't do five by five or something stupid oh, gotcha. but see here's the thing though is like you're gonna walk away from that experience you know a little more aware you're like why did I do that but before that awareness you'd be like I am so strong so yep. resilient I'm so resourceful that's why we keep our survival mechanisms around is because they do produce some sort of result they do give us some sort of wonderful skill and so it's really hard to even call them a survival mechanism. It's like, yeah. this produces so much for me. This is actually like, this feels really great and really in line with like the kind of results I'm used to producing. Why would I give this up? So what's your, when you're coaching people on survival mechanisms, how do you help them loosen the grip on letting that survival mechanism run the show? Yeah. great question so well the first thing is like having them get the impact of the presence of that survival mechanism by that survival mechanism being there running the show what's the impact on their life what's the impact on their relationship what's what's the impact on their health what's the impact on their kids what's the impact on their future kids if they don't have them you know like just actually getting enough of the impact to see why they would even change it at all why they would even do something about it because humans don't change anything unless they get the impact of it that's the cornerstone of behavioral change it's like you're not going to change something for no reason so having somebody really get the impact one of my favorite things to do is have them reach outside of themselves for the impact actually asking the people in their lives what the impact of that is hey i'm an ice queen when this kind of thing happens what's that like for you how does it impact our friendship How does it impact what's it like to have me as a partner? What's it like to have me as a daughter? Oh my, getting outside of yourself 
to see what it's like for the the world that orbits around you to get the impact. That is awareness, right? And I always emphasize that because that thing becomes up in your face, like the impact, then you you get a choice. You either continue choosing to be that way and accepting the impact, or you can choose something different that you're actually committed to that could shift or get you different results in your life. Are you planning to come back to Vancouver or do you think you're going to be continuing the nomad journey with your coaching? No, I'm looking for a home. And I think I love Vancouver. Like the more and more I travel, the more blessed I realized I was being from Vancouver-ish area and that the west coast of Canada is unparalleled beauty for so many reasons. Ultimately, I'd love to come back. I do come back and forth. Like I'm actually traveling all the time back and forth between Vancouver and Dallas and honestly other places too, but mostly, you know, like working on this relationship with my American partner that kind of has me go between both worlds. But yeah, I mean, ultimately, whether it's Vancouver or it's somewhere here, I do want a home base because I do want to be in a community and being able to, you know, make those long-term connections with a community and, and support people in person in the community that I know and love. Very different to like traveling to places all over and leading stuff in person or like, you know, traveling to a speaking gig and like meeting these people for however many hours you're at the event and then you leave. Like that's very different kind of in person. And I'm really craving that community again. Yeah, that's great. Well, I mean, wherever you land, I guess I could come visit or you come visit me. <laughs> I'll be visiting you shortly because, you know, that's where I'm from. So yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Is there anything else that you wanted to touch on in our conversation today before I wrap things up? Well, we've talked a lot about coaching and I'm wondering, you know, based on whether it's people who are coaches or people who are interested in getting coached that listen to your podcast. I think the thing that's been top of mind lately, like how do you know that you're doing everything you can to be an excellent coach? You know, you and I have both done courses accredited with the ICF. And to me, like that is definitely a step in the right direction. I do like just talking about coaching on this podcast has made me happy. Like the part of me that does really care about upholding the quality of coaches in the world, especially since I think coaching, you know, a lot of people hear coach and they think either one, everybody's a coach, two, it's an unregulated industry, and three, like because it's unregulated, like everybody and their dog calls themselves a coach and like what's their background. I just really love that we've been talking about the training and doing the work, like doing the real work and how important that is. I get called lots about, you know, like, oh, you're a successful coach. What did it take for you to become successful? What are your marketing strategies? And what are your business strategies? And what's your business plan? To me, the, the highest thing on my business plan is doing the deep work, like doing the stuff that, that makes my skin crawl. Like if I had a nickel for every time I had somebody ask me what my, like what made my business successful, it's not about like the way I word my posts. It's like the experience that people have with you based on the work you've done on yourself. And I love that because it's all very authentic, like walking the walk, talking the talk. That's, that's where, that's where it comes from. And that's why people get drawn to coaches. You're drawn to authenticity because that is just such a high vibration. You know, that's real. It's raw. It's real. Sometimes it's messy 
but it's all necessary. Some people call it magic happens outside of the comfort zone. And I say yeah. magic happens inside of the puke zone. The puke zone. Yeah. When things make you want to puke. <laughs> <laughs> like I remember taking on a new practice for being seen and I started doing Facebook lives. And to me, that was in the puke zone because being seen at that level, unedited, candid, that made me feel nauseous, but it had me grow and generate so many different flavors of breakthroughs, but I was totally in the puke zone. Like, it, oh my God, it made me feel so nauseous. Oh my gosh. That's where the magic is. What a, what a metaphor. I just, I wasn't sure when you said puke, if I heard you right, but I mean, when you put it like that, it makes sense. It's true. That, that, that feeling of like your stomach churning, you're like, oh God, oh God, oh God. And you're just completely confronting the comfort zone. And, but you know what? that that's all signal and feedback that growth is happening that's all it is so with that i want to thank you for having this call with me today and allowing me to record a wicked podcast episode with you and i'm so happy that i finally get to talk about coaching and sharing that on my podcast too so that people can be better educated about what they should look for what they can look for and what it's actually about yeah, yeah totally thanks for opening that conversation and for sharing that passion with me about coaching being an industry of integrity and like being understood, like an industry that's understood and looked to because it has so much to offer, really. And thank you so much for having me. You're so welcome. Do you mind sharing with our guests the best way that they can connect with you? And I'll be sure to put all of that information in the show notes as well. Yeah, you can catch me on my website, leannamanda.com, my Instagram, leann.amanda. And I can also give you my email to post in there as well. Perfect. That sounds great. So thank you for today. And I want to thank the listeners for tuning in. If you could please rate, share, subscribe, leave a review. I would deeply appreciate that so that we can get this message and story out into the world. That would be amazing. So until then, I will see you in the next episode. Bye.